Jerkoffs, how are you? Oh my goodness, it's been a minute. It is me, Daniel Muggleton, back in the saddle. And by saddle, I mean uh, sweating while not moving at all, not having moved at all, all day, because I come to you from way too sunny Australia. That's right, I'm in Sydney. Uh, this is where I've been. I'm sorry, it's been a long time. Uh, it's It's been pretty, it's been a lot. It's been a lot, I'm not going to lie. Uh, since I last spoke to you, I've moved back. The, the deportation has occurred. I left the day after the election happened, meaning Brexit is happening. I'm not saying that getting rid of me was the reason that your country has gone to the dogs, uh, but I think they might be related. Uh, that feels weird. I don't like saying that. I don't like saying your country. I still feel uh, very... A little bit British in my heart. I don't know. I don't know why. I've stopped. I've stopped eating hot chips unnecessarily. I've definitely developed some kind of a tan. I'm probably in better shape and look better as a human being by default. But I still feel in my heart every time I put my tracksuit bottoms on the red tracksuit bottoms. I feel British again, mainly because everybody in Australia is like, "What the fuck's with the tracksuit, tracksuit, dude? What's going on?" Because we don't wear it here. Here, it is a very strange affectation. People hate it. Uh, so my best friends in the world, I haven't seen them properly for two years, have gone up to me privately and been like, Dan, seriously, what's with the tracksuit? Is this part of your life now? When are you going to get rid of it? And I, I, I refuse to. I do have a nice little summer attire brought to you by Adidas. Some, uh, some shorts, some Adidas shorts. I've got a red Adidas t-shirt on the way. I've got some long red Adidas socks and I've got an Adidas bum bag. So I've got all the pockets that a jacket and tracksuit bottom combination would have uh, in the bum bag. And people hate it. I got to say uh, the whole the whole kind of chav thing that the people in the UK get around uh, definitely did not translate, did not make it on the first fleet to come down to Australia. Um I'm sorry there has been so much time in between episodes. I had to check. I had to go back. December 6th. That's the last time we spoke to each other. That's over a month. I wanted to, I wanted to get in before February. I finally bought a converter, which means I can plug my recorder into an Australian outlet. That's right. That's what was holding me back this whole time. Uh, because I don't know if you guys like this, but outside of an airport, I genuinely have no idea where to buy a converter. Like, where do you buy the thing that allows you to plug into the thing in the other country? Like, that's an airport purchase. Either you get it before you take off or when you land because you realize you forgot to get it before you take off. Uh, but finally, I went down to JB Hi-Fi, an Australian classic, a store I don't think you guys have in the UK. Got my converter, found the recorder, got the microphone out, and now I am sitting and sweating in smoky Sydney. That's right. Still pretty smoky. Not as smoky as it was when I landed, but uh, a few people have been in touch. I just want to say that right off the bat early. Uh, some jerk-offs have gotten in touch with me, making sure I'm okay uh, with the fires. A lot of uh, British comedians as well. Uh, it's always fun when your country is going through a uh, natural disaster uh, because based on when people ask you if you're okay, you know when it's hitting certain media sites you know what i mean like i had initially i had like some europeans like i had some european friends some european comedic friends 
asking me. And I'm like, okay, it's just it's just hit the news in Finland. Okay, it's just kind of caught itself in the Netherlands. And then the British started getting it. You guys are pretty quick on there. And then like a week and a half later, America got it because, you know, the Americans... That takes a long time for outside news to hit them. You know, they got their own shit going on. Trump says something weird. There's a thing about the Ukraine and the impeachment, all these things I don't really understand. But uh, I just want to say that uh, I'm okay. My family is okay. Uh, Australia is absolutely not okay. Uh, New South Wales, which is the state in which I live, has been one of the hardest hit. I would say probably the hardest hit. Uh, Areas where I used to go as a kid on holiday, like Batemans Bay, uh, down in the Shoalhaven on the south coast. Uh, there, I don't know if you saw those pictures of just people uh, in the water on boats with their faces covered in scarves, uh, just trying to avoid the heat and the flames. That's where that was all happening. And that's about five hours south of Sydney. I used to go there every other holiday. I had some family friends down there. And uh, yeah, it's really sad, man, because those towns uh, rely on tourism. They don't have a lot of industry. Uh, they rely on tourism, they rely on Australians going there, they rely on international tourists going there, and it's going to take them a really long time to build back up. Uh, and it's, and uh, uh, it's, it's been really nice that uh, people have been very generous. Um, I know that's kind of like, as, as, a, as the cynical kind of dude that I am, uh, but genuinely I was touched by how generous so many people around the world have been uh, donating to bushfire stuff, putting on shows, like a bunch of Australian comedians over here, we've put on shows. Uh, in the UK, my boys uh, still running Australian Comedians Dope Comedy for me. They put on shows, all proceeds being donated uh, to the bushfires. Uh, Jim Jeffries just did one in the US. It was cool, man. Um, but yeah, it's not over yet. There's just been another big fire kind of happened just outside of Canberra. And like, when... It's interesting because people are like, oh, are your houses, like where you're at, like your friends, are they affected by the flames? Not really. I've known people who've been quite close, like especially people who live on kind of the outer edges of Sydney. I live very central in Sydney. Uh, fires aren't getting aren't getting in here. That's not happening. But I was in Canberra doing a show, uh, pro- I think it was like January 11th, something like that. Uh, January 12th, sorry, January 12th. And... Um, yeah, the the amount of smoke in Canberra. I had a couple of beers with some mates after a show. I walked home by myself at about 1 a.m. And the level of smoke in Canberra was crazy. Like, I thought I was on fire. That was the level of smoke inhalation I was dealing with. And like, no one else is on the streets. I think they probably have some kind of app because they're smarter than me. Uh, but I was just walking down the street, just suffocating and being like, holy shit, I think if I was forced to stay out of this thing, I would die. So it's been pretty real. Uh, it is getting better. Um, slowly, there are still sparks coming. I don't know if you know anything about Australian summer, but it gets longer and longer. Uh, it's basically up until March at a minimum, usually to about April as well. So there's plenty more where that came from. Um, one of my favorite things is hearing people here be like, Oh, I don't remember it being this hot. You know, like when I was a kid, I don't remember being this hot, acting like their memory is the problem. No, your memory's fine. It wasn't this hot. It's because the fucking climate is changing. It's hot. Like it's hotter than it's ever been. Like it has been over 40 degrees, maybe like eight days since I've been back. It might be more than that. Sydney actually hasn't been that bad. Victoria and like South Australia are getting it worse. 
But like, yeah, we had three days in a row that broke the hottest average temperature on record. Just bang, bang, bang in a row. It's irrefutable. Anyway, I don't want to get too far into that. Um, I, I want to. I wanted to check in with you guys. Uh, as I am back in Australia, obviously the Union Jack Off was started when I moved to London, and I wanted to talk to British people and from people around the UK about the UK, try and figure out all the weird stuff you guys do. And uh, as the Jerk Offs, the loyal listeners, I've never, I've, I've appreciated you. Um, I love that you guys tune in every week. I love when you get in touch. I love that you give us five stars. I love when you come see me live and say hello, say you're a jerk off. I love that. Shout out to Jackie, who's like, Daniel, what am I doing on my Thursdays now? I don't, I don't know what to do without the Union Jack Off. And I'm like, fair enough, man. Uh, I got to help. So um, first things first, I just want to just let you guys know, I'm interested what, how you would like the show to continue. You know, I want to, I want to hear from you. Please get in touch with me on Twitter at the Union Jackoff or at Dan Muggleton, whichever you prefer. Uh, would you like me to talk to people who've moved to Australia about moving to Australia? Would you like to pe- Would you like me to talk to people uh, from around Australia? Like Australia is a very big place. We might all have the same accent. We do. I just checked recently. All have the same accent, but very different places, very different experiences growing up, especially in the country. And stuff like that. Do you want to hear me talk to them about that? Do you want me? Do you want? Do you want me to just talk? Do you want this? I never know. I never know if people like if people hearing me talk is enough. I'm never sure. But please get in touch. Let me know what you would like to see the direction the show goes in. Uh, I'm I'm setting up some podcast stuff at home. There will be more things coming out from me. I promise. That is a that is a solemn pledge. I know it's a bit rich for a guy who hasn't put anything out in over a month, but I promise you, big plans are afoot. Things are happening. Uh, but yeah, I would love to hear what you guys think about the show, man, because um, I, I enjoy doing the one-on-one interviews, and I think a lot of you guys really enjoyed that. I went back to the one-on-one interviews when I was on the road with Steve, like just out of necessity, but people seem to really enjoy that. Uh, did you prefer the group stuff when I was with producer Mooch? We got a couple of comics on, and we let people have their different uh they kind of contrast the different experiences they've had uh is that what you enjoy i want to hear from you guys i want to i want to listen to the feedback and then figure out how i'm going to do things moving forward in 2020 i do want to keep the show going uh i refuse to stop i love it and i love that you guys listen every single week now that's enough that's enough bushfire and thank yous uh i think we should get into what i've been up to because i have been busy there's been plenty going on and uh, it's been, I, I, I think, objectively kind of exciting. We'll start off, I reckon, at the top. Most exciting thing that's happened. Uh, I had my last week in the UK. Like last time I checked in with you guys uh, was after I just finished supporting Steve on all those dates across Europe. And uh, basically, that was awesome. Uh, I am very much indebted to him. You can hear all about that on the last episode. Uh talking about all the different European countries, all the different British towns. Um, You guys can hear about what we did there. And then I had one week left in London. Now, in that week, I was going to see uh, my friend Amos Gill, very funny Australian comedian, who uh, is Jim Jeffries' regular tour support around the world, lives with him in LA. I was going to go hang out with them on Thursday, go see Jim Jeffries in Birmingham. As you guys know, big fan of Birmingham. I was just going to have a night out, see my mates. Uh, then on Friday and Saturday, I had gigs, had my first London 
headline club spot uh, on the Saturday, which was really cool. Uh, that was at the Cover Garden Comedy Club. Love that. And then on the Sunday, I was doing my final show in the UK at the Bill Murray, uh, my solo show. Uh, it sold out. It was being filmed, which is very cool. Uh, so that was sold out and I was doing that on the Monday flying back to Australia. That was, that was the last week in the UK. Uh, and then the third, so starting with the Thursday, seeing Jim Jeffries, that was awesome. Uh, that was at the, I think it, it wasn't the Birmingham, it wasn't the regular Birmingham arena because they were filming X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or one of those goddamn talent shows you people love. British people love talent shows. Susan Boyle is some kind of weird national symbol for you. And I don't, I don't like talent shows. I got to say, like, I really don't enjoy them because the thing with like talent shows, Susan Boyle did this thing where it's not enough to be talented anymore. You know, I like, remember like the kind of first couple of seasons before she came along where it was just talented people, usually like young and hot, like your classic kind of pop starry vibe. And they just come out and the most talented one would then win uh, and they'd get a career. Like, you know, your Kelly Clarkson's. In Australia, we had Guy Sebastian. Uh, who was it in the UK? I forget who you guys had. Oh, I don't know. Someone someone tell me. Someone someone write in. But uh, then Susan Boyle came along and you're like, it's not enough to just be talented anymore. You've got to be unexpectedly talented. Because that's the thing. You've got to, like, if you're being honest with yourself, the reason it was impressive that Susan Boyle could sing is because she was old and kind of ugly. That was the reason. <laughs> You guys were like, oh my God, I can't believe she did that. It's so unexpected. That feels so much better when a hot person can sing, right? So then you've done that in the future. Like it's the same in Australia. My friend Umut Bali made it to the grand final of uh, Australia's Got Talent. And the whole time they just kept bringing up how he was an illegal immigrant. Like the whole time they really made him kind of mine this personal thing. When the guys just out there trying to tell jokes, it pisses me off. Because you're not honest about it. If you're being honest, every talent show these days is like a freak show. You know, you want to see people overcome something while being talented. Like, it's like the greatest showman, except we're not honest with ourselves. You know, because at a freak show, you have to say, hey, two tickets to the freak show, please. You've got to say that. But on Britain's Got Talent, you're like, oh, man, if I'm, if I'm texting and I'm supporting this person, even though, I don't know. Have I gone too hard on the talent shows? I'm not sure. Anyway. So that's where we were. We were supposed to be in there, but then it got bumped to the, the Birmingham Convention Center. Uh, it was crazy, man, just to see an arena like my friend Amos does it all the time. So he's just immune to it. But like, you know, I was in like a car with Jim. There was a security guard who I'm still very afraid of. So I'm not going to name him. Uh, <laughs> he was a very intimidating man. I tried, to make, I tried to make fun of Amos to him. And he's like, who are you? You are nothing. Mr. Amos is part of the team. You do not make fun of him. I don't know who you are. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm very afraid of you. Anyway, saw the show. Uh, Jim was amazing, live as you'd expect. Uh, obviously one of Australia's best comedians, uh, absolutely killing it all over the place. I would argue the gun control bit, probably the most famous stand-up comedy bit of the last 10 years. Like I can't think of another comedian. Like I can think of comedians who might've had bigger careers during that time. Like someone like John Mulaney, who's just become like the, one of the biggest comedians in the world, like Sebastian Maniscalco. But in terms of like just a bit, just like one joke, I think Jim Jeffries' gun control bit is probably the bit of the noughties. I said it there first. I said it first. So do you disagree? I think it's number one. I don't think there is a more quoted, referenced 
bit of stand-up from 2010 to 2020. Anyway, so it was very cool seeing him live. Uh, he absolutely killed it. He did this thing where there was like a guy was asleep uh, in the show. And just as the closing, he did the closing bit, noticed the guy was still asleep, went off stage, kind of like slapped him to wake him up, then walked around the crowd just riffing for like 20 minutes. Just like, this is in like a 2,000, 3,000 seat arena. I forget the exact figure. And he's just walking around the crowd like it's nothing, killing, just absolutely killing, just riffing whatever. And I was having a great time. I was back backstage, VIP, drinking beers and stuff. And then uh, after the show, we went out uh, on the town. Uh, we went to Birmingham Glee, great club, met up with the comics there. I was in the full tracksuit. Jim Jeffries called me tracksuit, obviously. <laughs> I still would argue he doesn't know my name. He just calls me tracksuit. Uh, we went out. We didn't get into one of the clubs because of the tracksuit. I do not miss that about the UK. You guys really need to get over your whole tracksuit ban. Uh, I think if it's me wearing a tracksuit, I'm clearly not part of a gang. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm just clearly a hipster who's overcompensating. Uh, so just let us into the club. It's dumb. I'm not a threat to anybody apart from my parents' income, right? Come on. So, uh, didn't get into a club cause of the tracksuit. Jim Jeffries, fucking tracksuit. Maybe do a bunch of shots. We're hanging out. It's a good time. Great to hang out with Amos hearing about him, like living in the U S. Uh, and then uh, the big reveal, we were out, it was late. And then Jim Jeffries is like, hey, do you want to do some time tomorrow night, Manchester? And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, nah, I'm serious. Fear, 10 minutes, $500. And I was like, yes, that sounds amazing. And then his tour manager was like, Five to seven minutes, unpaid. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll still take it. <laughs> totally worth it. So we kind of have a few more drinks, night ends. I wake up next day, uh, chat to Amos. I'm like, all right, man, I guess I'll head back to London. You know, I got, I got Banana Cabaret. And uh, he was like, what are you talking about? You're coming to Manchester, you're doing a spot. And I'm like, come on, man, that was, just, that was just drunk talk. You know, that's not a thing. And he's like, mate, I reckon it's happening. And I got down to the, got down to the car. Uh, yeah, man game on tour managers like get your own way to manchester we got a full car but i'll see you there you're doing the time i'm like hell yeah um i didn't even i had to buy another shirt i was not expecting this to happen i had to buy like a second shirt uh i had to i had to borrow tracksuit bottoms because <laughs> mine mine got waylaid the night before i found them again eventually but yeah i was like i was almost i was like sweating almost going on stage in jeans i'm like i can't do this i can't do this anymore the tracksuit is all i got uh but yeah it was manchester arena uh massive show i think manchester arena is like a six thousand seater and like i just because i was so hungover from the night before i was barely even nervous um even though i supported jeffrey's like going up cold i was on first it was a real cold announce i don't know if you saw me do support for steve but steve goes on does some time, vouches for the act, brings him up, the whole thing. But Jim's like, you know, proper rock star. He's out the back. He's got the, he's got the intro. You don't get to see him till it's showtime, you know? So I'm just announced on stage. Amos announced me. Uh, and <laughs> I started very strong uh, because I'm used to playing comedy clubs and, you know, small theaters, let's say. And uh, I don't know if you know this about the stages in gigantic 
UK arenas, but they're much bigger. So they they give me a little polite round of applause, being like, I didn't realize the show was starting. I'm making my way towards the microphone on my on my casual walk. I don't know if you've ever seen me walk. I'm not a not a fast walker. Uh, and as I'm walking to the microphone, I realize their clapping is not going to make it. I am not going to hit the microphone in time. They are running out of enthusiasm quickly. And I was frozen because I was like, shit, should I kind of jog a little bit? Should I kind of give it a little to get there on time? And I'm like, you can't do that. You look like a coward. So I just kept my pace, hit the microphone in complete silence and had to start from there. Uh, but they were like an awesome crowd. It was, it was really weird how normal it was. That's like the one thing people, a bunch of people have asked me about it. And I'm like, it's weird how it just felt like a regular, you're just kind of doing your jokes. Like they're getting, you know, the people are laughing where they laugh. It's, it's good. You know, the only crazy thing was like one time I like snorted into the microphone and like the, the echo as it just went around like this huge arena, you could just feel it. Like, Jesus Christ, I am loud up here. Had a guy in the crowd, you're like, come on, Dan. Like, you know, in excitement. Uh, and I could barely hear it, even though he was yelling. Like, this room was fucking huge. Uh, but I did good. I brought Amos on and just kind of had this weird moment where I had to kind of like be real awkward and ask for a photo with everybody that's on my instagram you can see that there's like a photo of me uh after the show i was too i, I was too nervous or like too kind of distracted to get one before the show uh but after the show like the stage is coming down amos and i are there like just trying to cover our heads and not uh not get hit by any any stage being taken down and then a photo with jim in the back he was nice enough to take a photo with me uh so that was cool man four thousand it was like six thousand seater so that is the biggest that is the biggest audience I've ever played by a significant margin. Uh, they were teasing me all the way in the car to the gig, just being like, man, like I wouldn't do that one. And I'm like, you don't know any of my jokes. And he's like, I still wouldn't do it, dude. That was uh, Forrest Shaw, the other opening act, great American dude, like him. Uh, and yeah, it was just it was just real funny because the security guy that I was afraid of before I went out, he's like, hey man, break a leg. And he put his fist out and I bumped his fist. And then he goes, if you bomb, I'll break it for you. And I was like, cool, still very afraid of you. Uh, but yeah, it was really, it was really uh, just a wild experience. Something very unexpected, but a very cool way to leave the UK. Went back to London, headlined that gig, Common Garden Comedy Club. Had a great time. Uh, and with previous guests, Robin Morgan was emceeing. Simon Brodkin was doing, doing a spot on the show. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, Simon Brodkin, obviously more famously known as Lee Nelson, but about to go on tour as himself. If you remember that episode, he was talking about trying to discover himself as a comedian, as, as his own person, not being a character. He's bloody done it, mate. He's doing a national tour of the UK. Dates are all over the place, so check it out. Uh, and then on the Sunday, I was at the Bill Murray. Uh, my last show in the UK, I wanted to film it. I wanted a, I wanted a little record. I wanted to do all those jokes that I have about you beautiful. And when I say beautiful, I mean uh, spiritually beautiful, personality beautiful, physically very ugly British people. Uh, I did not realize that, yeah, you guys, you guys do look unwell. I know I say it as a joke, but now that I'm back here in a land where people care way too much about how they look, uh, you guys could definitely, you know, just use some healthier food, uh, maybe a little bit of sunlight. Maybe that vitamin D would help you out. Uh, but yeah, so I, I went to my show there. It was sold out in advance, which is really cool because it's great to never have to worry about that. Uh, I had I had it all set up. I, I had a very specific uh, idea 
for how the special would look because like obviously you guys know i've got let's never hang out it's on amazon prime it's a very traditional comedy special like it's in a rock club but you know six cameras big crowd lots of audience shots that whole thing you know like it's very it, it just looks like a stand-up special and i i've been watching all these stand-up specials i think there are a lot of stand-up specials being released now and i'm just like you know i think why not shoot it a little bit differently like i don't I don't think we need to like completely break the wheel, but like, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do, this was, this was a comedy club, like 85 seats. I wanted to f- make it feel intimate. So I kind of had your traditional wide shot. Then I had a tied up shot and then I wanted an iPhone in the crowd for when I speak to anybody. Cause like, if you've ever seen me live, you know, I like to talk to the crowd. That's a big part of my show. And I wanted you to feel like you're in that room being spoken to. Cause that's, it's a very intimate experience being spoken to by a comedian as a comedian if it ever happens to me i freak out you know like it's it's very like it's this weird pressure because like you're trying to give them what they want uh it's like it's weird to have all those eyes on you in that way Uh, it's a very vulnerable thing and i kind of wanted people to maybe feel what that's like when they watch it because you know we used to watch stand-up specials on tv like in movie theaters like now you're kind of watching them on your phone or your laptop like, why not give it that personal experience? That was filmed on an iPhone. I shot it vertically and it was like cut in between. And that was awesome, man. The show was really good. Uh, the crowd absolutely did everything they could to make it as seamless as possible because there was like stopping and starting while I gave people the iPod, uh, the iPhone, sorry, and like kind of had to re-ask questions and kind of get a couple of takes of things. Like, you know, they were awesome, man. They really, they really were. And I just want to shout out my boy, Bobby Mayer, who came down because when I filmed my last special, I think I have mentioned this before on the pod, but when I filmed my last special, I forgot my best joke in both tapings. I don't know how I did this and how no one who was involved noticed, but this time I gave Bobby a set list. I told him to sit at the back and just check off every joke that I did to make sure I didn't skip it. And lucky I did because I did skip a joke off and we picked it up again at the end and it was all good. Um, but actually that, that joke that, uh, I skipped is on this special. So finally, <laughs> supposed to be supposed to be recorded in 2017, got it done right at the end of 2019. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it and it's worth the wait. Um, that special has now been released on YouTube in, in part one's been released. I'm releasing it in three parts. Uh, I wanted to put it on YouTube because, you know, with Amazon Prime, there's like, there's a lot of red tape, you know, like I found out that since it got aired in Australia, it's been taken off the Australian version of Amazon Prime because in airing it, the ABC now owns it for two years. So it can only go on ABC Ivy or on ABC. Uh, in the Netherlands, you can't get it. I've heard that from my Dutch like fans uh, in different parts of Europe. You can't get it. It's just it's a lot. And I just wanted to be like, fuck it. You guys have supported me. You've bought tickets just here it is on youtube for free so that is on my youtube channel right now if you haven't checked it out please take the time it's 11 minutes uh part two is coming out february 21st and part three is coming out march 21st 21st of the month is when they come out it is called three stripes uh each stripe being a different part and it'll be released in full at the end of all that but uh please do take the time get down to my youtube channel uh, it is www.youtube.com slash Daniel Muggleton. Uh, it's where you'll find all the video of any of the Union Jackoff episodes as well. I'm sure some of you watch 
the Union Jack Off on YouTube whenever you get the chance because you like to see my smiling face. Uh, but yeah, that was really cool um, to get that to get that done and out. I'm really happy with how it looks. I'm really happy with how it feels. Part two uh, has a lot more of that iPhone uh, footage, so that'll be good as well. Uh, and yeah, if you guys if you guys would be kind enough, please do share it, give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm trying really hard to make. Uh, more content for you guys to get involved with because you know i love performing live but i'm all the way back in australia now i'm going to be here for a bit don't worry i'm back in the uk late july and then for the edinburgh fringe 2020 uh, i'll update you guys as more details uh emerge but i should be back at my favorite counting house 4 p.m um so i'm looking forward to that but you know i just want you guys to be able to keep engaging with my stand-up, not just the podcast. I love that you love the podcast, but, you know, I'm a comedian. I'm a stand-up comedian, first and foremost. I'm a live comedian. I want people not in the same country as me to be able to experience that. So, if you subscribe to the YouTube, we will get more videos out. I promise. I promise. And if there's anything you want to see from me, if there's anything that you guys would like to see, please do get in touch at Dan Muggleton. Um, and of course with those suggestions, like what, what direction you'd like the show to go in? We're in this together now, guys. I would love to hear your opinions, jerk offs. You're the only ones I can trust. Um, but yes, so that is, that was my, that was my last night in the UK. I then got to go have a drink in the Tower of London. Huh? Remember a previous guest lived there. He invited me over for a nightcap. That was very nice. Uh, very cool way to leave. Having, having a little a little view uh, of London from the Tower of London as an Australian and a convict that felt good uh, to, you know, celebrate in England's most famous jail <laughs> before leaving the country forever. Uh, you know, that, that, that's good. I think it's kind of poetic. I, I did really enjoy it. Uh, and on the way home, I, I did another, another first. Another first. I did my first gig in asia i mean i do count australia as asia because that's how we that's how we get into the football world cup i think that's really the determination of where different countries sit but i had never done an asian gig in the continent of asia and i probably still haven't because i guess singapore eh, it's an island you know it's close but uh i was in singapore <coughs> i was uh supporting sam c hilarious singaporese comedian I met him at Edinburgh this year. Uh, he will definitely be appearing on this podcast uh, when he's in Melbourne at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, like I will be at the end of this uh, in March. He'll be there. I'll be there. He'll be on the podcast. He's a super interesting dude. Weirdly, I was introduced to him at a live taping of the Jim Jeffrey show in LA. That's right. Everything comes full circle, right? Wraps up in a nice little bow. Uh, so I opened for him. I was literally in Singapore for seven hours. I got off the plane, got my luggage, checked it back in immediately, headed to the gig, did the spot, had a couple of drinks, came back, got on the plane. And since then, I've been home in sunny Sydney. Uh, it was very weird initially. Uh, I think I've spoken about this before, but just the sheer lack of population you know, I was living in Shoreditch. I was living very centrally in Shoreditch. And then to come back to Sydney, 
during these bushfires where people are staying in more. There's no one on the streets. It's very spooky. And it took me a while to adjust. I'm almost there now where I look at a road and there's no one on it. I'm thinking like, yes, that's how it should be. Our country is full. Please limit immigration. You know, I'm getting back into that Australian mindset. Uh, But just that kind of thing. But I got to say, I've complained about it a million times and I couldn't have been more right. The food. Oh, my God. There has not been a single bad meal I've had since I've been here. It's cheaper than the UK. It's better than the UK. Everything, like every restaurant is killing it. And for that reason, I do think people go see live entertainment less because they're enjoying a delicious meal. And who needs a laugh when things taste this good? But I can't fault it. It is nice to be home in that regard. All right. I don't want to keep going on. Uh, too much this week. I w- I'll talk about the Steve Hofstetter stuff. I'll talk about settling into the UK next week because I want to get back on track. Uh, one thing, it's a little bit weird. Uh, my house in Sydney is on the flight path. Uh, so we get a lot of planes going over. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some podcast stuff happening, but it's important if you guys during this episode have randomly heard planes going over, if you've heard this weird noise, you're like, what could that possibly be? That is a plane. And I will be listening back to this to see if I can hear one. But if you heard one, please do get in touch. I know there's a lot of reasons to get in touch this week, but it's been a while. I miss you. I'm needy. I need you back on board. So what should we do with the show? Who should we get on? How should we interview? Do you need video? Do you want more than one guest? You tell me. I'll make it happen. Second thing, watch the special. Daniel Muggleton, three stripes, the number three, not the not the word three, three stripes. Google that, watch part one, subscribe, tell a mate, uh, jerk offs. I need you to share this thing around. I'm trying to get it to 5,000 views. We are sitting on 1,600 at the moment. Uh, so we got we got to keep that thing going up so we can release part two with some momentum. And the third thing, if you have heard weird noises during this podcast, I mean, like, what is that? Is the audio quality just much worse than I remember? That is a plane, and I need to know if the planes are audible through the microphone because I'm talking too much to pay attention to this stuff. All right. Next week, I'll fill you in on what's been happening in Australia a little bit. I got an archived interview with Chris MacArthur Boyd, uh, Glasgow, Scottish, Protestant from memory uh where where that we're chatting at the edinburgh fringe festival if you thought i sounded a little bit tired and relaxed now oh my god edinburgh fringe towards the end we were absolutely exhausted but that chat is coming to you soon i'm going to start uh interviewing some people in australia and then when melbourne comedy festival rolls around i'm in melbourne for the whole month I'm going to talk to a bunch of mates as they come over. So there'll be plenty of episodes happening then. But jerk offs, I'm sorry it took so long. I'm glad to be back. It feels good. I'm so glad I bought that adapter. We're going to keep this thing rolling forward into 2020. Uh, Until next week, my name is Daniel Muggleton. Get in touch. Get around me on social media. Until then, cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.